0: Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam on Monday, May 13th. I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly. So if you want to learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode and we'll see you there. Are you, are you, you getting emotional? You I feeling a little emotional? emotional? emotional. What, what's making you emotional?
1: I just think cause, uh when you do like 30 years in a career and you know is ending not you know physically ending but you know you're moving on to something else uh, it's gonna be missed hmm. so the moving on part not being afraid to move on is the the part that Gets your emotional. Hot Breath.
0: What's goody, Hot Breathiverse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our mission here is to cultivate the next generation of great comics by interviewing today's great comics. And we have a great one today, for sure. His comedy career started at the age of 19 after getting expelled for school for fighting, but... Jumps on stage six months later. He's on Deaf Comedy Jam, and the rest is comedy history. He's done everything there is to do in the stand-up comedy game, and that is only 10% of what this man does. He does so many things beyond comedy that we're going to get into today. So please, welcome to the show, the humanitarian, Rodney Red Grant. Welcome to the show, my friend. I
1: would say that probably was one of the best intros of me in a long time. What? I'm going to tell you why, because you actually hit every point from the beginning, even the getting kicked out of school at 19 and coming home and, you know, not knowing where I was going to be in life. Started working at a car dealership and a friend said, man, you're funny. You should get on stage. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I'm like, who would want to get on stage and make people laugh? I, after what I just went through and it was like God was just like telling me hey I'm gonna change your spirit so you can change other people's spirits so that I appreciate that great uh intro of course yeah you went to Mr Henry's the open mic there I did I went to Mr Henry's it was my first time on stage I talked about probably the worst I don't know I didn't get I didn't get booed mm-hmm. but I didn't really get the last that I thought I was gonna get the first time and I was talking about Wonder Woman uh, couldn't come to my neighborhood because her uh, somebody would shoot her uh, bracelets off. Or, it was some. Co- it was. It, it was. It was genius at the time, but it was corny as heck the, my delivery. Uh, and when I got back in the car, my my friend named Rob Pearson, he uh, who actually told me to go on stage, he said, "Man, why are you not talking about that stuff that we talk about in the house?" I was like, what you mean? He said, you gotta talk about your family. You gotta talk about your experiences, the things you're going through. You can't be talking about Wonder Woman. And it's snapped right there. I was like, mm, let me talk about my moms. Let me talk about my kid. Let me talk about my, uh, my neighborhood, my family, you know, and the rest is history. So when you, cause
0: I, I watched your show last night and it's always fun. Every time I've seen you, it always looks like you're having fun up there and it's so natural. But when you're like, all right, let me go from Wonder Woman to my personal stuff. Do you like put pen to pad or have you always just been on stage just like. No, I'm a writer. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a writer. I take like writing really serious. Um, I think it's super important to be able to write Mm. because it it allows you to express the natural things that are going on in your head. I think people it, it actually will help people with mental health issues and everything. To be able to get your uh, the things out of your head onto paper and express yourself a lot of times people don't express themselves so i actually just take a subject you know i you can look at my phone it's like all kind of this joke after joke after joke and stuff that i probably would never even talk about like mm-hmm. i probably wouldn't even be able to get to the jokes that i've written there's so many but i take it super serious and um you know my teachers one of my teachers not all of them but one of my teachers told me that i wouldn't be a great writer and I went to Savannah State. When I went there, I they, they, they make you take this test to see what classes you're gonna be in. And my writing skills were terrible, so they put me in like one of the lowest like writing classes. But what happened was that teacher taught me how to write essays. Mm. And once I learned how to write an essay, I understood that everything in life has a beginning, has a middle, and has an end. And all of the things I've written in my life started with that structure of writing essays.
0: So if you have like a life experience or something about a family member, it's an experience you have. How do you then like work it to translate to the stage?
1: So my daughter um, is 13 and I have another daughter um, that's 28 and another one that's 33 or something uh around that age um but they all three of them when i when i talk about them i set it up especially the 13 year old because she's like at home right now and she's you know she's giving you that 13 year old energy and you know she thinks she's smarter than me in real life she does she thinks she's smarter than me so that's what i would write down first my daughter thinks she's smarter than me mm-hmm. and then i will go and talk about all of the things that's she does that she thinks is smarter than me. And to me, you know, yeah, she she's smart, but she's still working on her common sense. Mm-hmm. And as as you grow and you learn more, you develop more common sense. You know, so you know, as you know, when you when you're a 13-year-old, your, your common sense is what you're dealing with. And she doesn't have any idea of what is in store. That she's gonna gain so much more confidence. And so, you know, I just, I write from my wife, you know, I, my wife always talks about like, she never laughs at the jokes That's I, t- I say. Mine neither. Yeah. I mean, she never, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I set it up so sweet. <laughs> I'm like, I got a new joke about you. <laughs> and, I, and I set it up so sweet. And she's always like, okay, let me hear it. And when I set, say it, she's always like, mm-hmm. When she doesn't laugh, that's when I know it's gonna be fun. <laughs> Same with me, dude. <laughs> I'm doing it. She didn't laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. So I, I mean, you know, I just go from that perspective, you know, talking about my moms and my pops. Um Yeah, you write it down and then take it to the stage and work it out for you. I'm a there. storyteller. Mm-hmm. You know, some comedians they they write like, okay, I'm going I'm punch. I'm punch. No, I'm like, I gotta go, okay, we're going through this whole journey, this story. And we'll go through the story until it crescendos to an end. And then I'll go and I'll, I'll take it to another story.
0: That's what I noticed watching you last night was like, you can take a single topic. It could just be like the, huh, like that, that topic of getting like feeling sick when you drink too much. Mm-hmm. And you it was like 10 minutes and it was all these act outs and you're all over the stage. And even at one point you have like the mic in the stand and you're literally like, like, it It was like every single bit you had was like, it's like a single topic that
1: you choreographed this entire world around. I'm just like, how? Yeah, that's a, that's that whole section is about um, friends. Mm. What type of friends do you have? Yeah. So when I was thinking of that joke, I was thinking of like, what type of friends do people have? You know, are they good friends? Are they bad friends? Um, and in life, you know, you you we are able to educate people you know through laughter like and when i talk about people's friends i'm really telling you really got to be careful with friends you hang around and you got to be careful what you you know what you bring into your energy and so when i go through that it's like you know i ask them like who came with they good who came with their friends that's the first thing i ask, and then you know it's a light clap and i say no I'm not talking about your your fake friends. I'm talking about your real friends. Like, who came with your real friends? And you can see that second clap is like, yeah,
0: I'm with my real
1: friends. Yeah, big time. Even if they're not. (laughs) (laughs) And I I go into, like, you know, about, you know, when you're driving in a car, if they stay up with you or they go to sleep, Mm -hmm. you know, are they your real friends? So all of that whole section of 10 minutes to 12 minutes is, Just about friends. Yeah. And that's what I love about comedy
0: is how it can bring people together, Mm -hmm. you know, and to develop like the level you're at now takes years and decades of, you know, you've been doing it since you're 19. So I always ask comics on here, like, what is like a show, like a boo story or like your worst bomb you just never forget? What is that story for you?
1: (sighs) The worst bum. Oh, that I'm, sigh, that painful sigh. Oh <laughs> gosh, bring it um, up. I have to go. I so I did Apollo three times. Uh the first time is when I was 19. I did the Apollo the day before I did Def Comedy Jam. It was my f- first TV was the Apollo. Uh I destroyed it. I knew I was gonna destroy the Def Jam because that same set I did on Apollo, I did on Def Jam. And I knew if it worked on Apollo. I it was gonna crush on the Def Gym. Um So I went back and did the Apollo again, and I ripped, destroyed it. And the third time that I did the Apollo, someone got booed in front of me. And I think somebody like the uh, Levert or something, that's how long ago, Levert was supposed to go up after the boo, right? So Steve Harvey comes to me, he's like, look, Red, dude just got booed. Um, Levert's supposed to go on, but I'm gonna go ahead and put you on. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I wasn't even ready. I was, I was about to go. I, you know, I was ready for that Lavert, uh, and then go on. So they, they put me on, and I go out and say the dumbest thing that you can ever say on the Apollo. I say, oh man, I see you guys booing people out here. <laughs> Y'all can boo me. You know, I don't care. Before I can get the I don't care out, the boo started. And I tried to fight the boo. I tried to come back from the boo. It was just nothing that I can do to come back from that boo. And, I mean, I didn't get a joke out. I didn't <laughs> say nothing other than, oh, you guys are out here booing people. Oh, y'all can boo, boo, I'm talking about. And uh, this is a true story. After I got off stage, I walked directly from the stage out. the. If you ever go to Apollo, it's a red door at Apollo. I walked straight out that red door, and I walked 110 blocks. I walked from 125th Street <laughs> down to 15th West, down to 15th Street, uh, down to Lower Manhattan. It took that long for me to get it out. I mean, it, it's like I had, to, I had to walk away so far from the booth. To walk away from the, the wreckage, uh, yeah. from the crime scene. So you that was far, that was the worst set I ever, I mean, the worst boo mm-hmm. I've ever had. I haven't had uh, too many boos in my life, but asking somebody to boo me was the worst thing. And I tell young comics, never ask people to boo you. <laughs> that's the worst thing you could ever do. <laughs> yeah, we all go through that, though. I mean, I came up here in Atlanta where
0: they shut the lights off on me before. Like, I, I've gotten it all too. We all go through those, mm-hmm. so that's why I always ask But it builds
1: character, though. For sure. You know, Bill's yep. character, I think that I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I didn't learn that lesson that night. Yeah, yeah. Like you never ask people to do things to you because they might do it. <laughs> you know, like people are like, you could kill me. I'm like, nah. You never want to ask nobody to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Beg for your life.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> well, comedy is that powerful. It can invoke those emotions, you know. Yeah, no, and- it can. And to see what, what you're doing now with running for mayor, I, th- I think it's so important because this is like comedy education and telling comedian stories. But for you to take the comedy skill set of connecting with people and you're running as an independent as well, which is you just like want everyone, you know, which as a comedian, it's like you have to learn how to entertain everyone mm-hmm. you know like if if i can do jokes in front of all white audiences that don't work in front of all black audiences or vice versa then i just get rid of the joke mm-hmm. and your comedy is funny to everyone so the fact you're able to start translating that into actually making an impact beyond just telling jokes is very inspiring for a comedian like me 12 years in the game of like well man what what else is possible in this game and what kind of impact can we make i mean you've been doing this You've always helped the youth and you've always been a part of the community and stuff. But to now seeing you do it running for mayor of D.C., it's like it's really inspiring as a comedian to be like, wow, there's we can be doing so much more.
1: I mean, I think that um, I think we as comedians have always been in the political game. I think that we write policies every day. Um, the subjects that we talk that we talk about, um, the emotions that we bring to the to a, uh, a stage, is policy. You know, I was talking to someone in my uh, in my team the other day. I said, before I knew what policy was, I was doing policy, and now that I know what policy is. It's really a problem that's happening, and a solution to solve that problem. Right, so you, you're trying to create things that have problems or that cause problems in our community to bring on solutions, right? So when I got the calling to run for mayor three and a half years ago, I asked God, I was like, run for mayor, um, okay, how, do, how am I gonna translate this and really have people understand And he said, look, you've been a humanitarian all your life. You've been a philanthropist all your life. You've been a community activist. You've been a a person who has. uh, Held DC down and, you know, I I feel like I have DC on my back since I was born with a with a red skin blanket on my back. I feel like I've been repping this city. So when it comes to being able to make that, that, that pivot, you know, people are like, was it, was it hard? I'm like, it wasn't really, it's not hard for me to make pivots because I pivoted into comedy. You know, I was playing football. I was, you know, had a full scholarship. I played with Shannon Sharp. And, you know, we were all like, you know, young, young men just pivoting. You know, when I was a singer, when I was young, when my moms put me in all these choirs, um, I pivoted into something else. So I never allow people to really box me into what I want to pivot into, Mm -hmm. especially when, you know, you are moving with the winds, I call it, you moving with, you know, the God spirit. And I think that DC deserves someone uh, like myself that represents the people in real life to come in and have a voice for them and who can touch everybody all people you know when i decided to run independent they was like well red you know you're a democrat i'm like yeah i'm a democrat but i'm also independent i'm independently you know moving through this world and i don't want anybody to just party line politic me and i don't want anybody to try to control me because so many people like ourselves no matter if you're a Democrat. A Republican state or whatever green independent you just independently thinking like this is what this is um who I am mm-hmm. and I think sometimes we allow uh the government to to control our movements like you know we, we live in a free society right but we don't think freely sometimes Yeah. And I think it's important as
0: just thinking of like comedians and there's people who do like political jokes and things like that and bring light to that. And even we've talked about like Cat Williams and material he's done that years later is still even more relevant Mm -hmm. than it was several years ago. It's like what what else do you think comedians can be doing to like either use our platform or really like take take what you're doing. And really start making like an actual impact, not just talking about it and whatnot. But like, what what can comedians do to even think beyond just like these jokes? Well,
1: I don't I don't really think that we're comedians. Mm. I don't think that I think we're 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 big public speakers. Like I I really don't allow people to really put me in a comedy box because for some reason people think that we're a joke. Like we we make people laugh so you feel like you can say. Oh, he—he's a joke. Nah, I'm not no joke. And stop playing with me. You know. <laughs> oh, you went back to D.C. right there. Oh, he's uh, like, nah, watch nah, out, Slim. I mean, watch yeah, out. Slim, stop <laughs> playing with me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we work too hard to become too smart yeah. for you to put us in a box. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a public speaker. You know, I make people laugh for a living, and I think more people should laugh in life. You know, too many politicians are tight.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
1: feel like they have to be this way, and but then they leave the camera, and then they act a fool. Yeah, you know, be yourself.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and you've been doing, you've been doing like your own movie production company and things like that. Yeah. It's like you, so you've been always looking for other things to do besides one thing. You've always it seems like you've always been pivoting and looking for different ways to kind of create success in this game.
1: Well, my, my film company, um, well, it's Movios. Uh, our Grant Inc Red Grand Productions I, I've had I've had I got a lot of companies I, um, Red Creative We're a rightful people uh, And I I tell people that you can Always expound your Your ability to grow Like expound as much as possible You know Even with your show right here You know This is a national show This is not just A local show It's, it's national It's actually international mm-hmm. But it's what you push It's how you push it, it Push your brand uh, my film company, you know, I've been, you know, when I wrote my first film uh, family reunion and I shot it in DC and Virginia on my, I, I shot it in DC around my old neighborhood and I shot it in Virginia on my grandmother's, um, land. That was like the first time I said, okay, you can take thought to theater. You know, you can say, if you have a idea, I want to make a movie called family reunion, the movie, you know let's start this script let's write it um and then when i start when i was working for viacom and producing television shows over 25 shows for the viacom network and they was entrusting me to employ thousands of people and work with millions of dollars in budgets and um, i i knew then that god had a mission for me to mm. be a creator um when I did the Flavor Flav wrote when I wrote that with Flavor Flav and it was just like, oh man, he put me in these positions. So I take every position that I've been put in super serious. And so when it comes to like running for mayor, I don't allow people to 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 put me in that box. And my policies are something that should be taken super serious. And when we do our forums that's coming up. Uh, Because they didn't think that it would come down to me and the current mayor. You know, it was a lot of people, you know, running for mayor in Washington, D.C., a lot of great people. Uh, But at the end of the day, I knew it was going to ultimately come down to me and her. And on November 8th, history will be made. And I will become the first independent mayor of Washington, D.C. I
0: have no doubt. I, I'm I'm inspired, man. Like, what what do you think if I if I could selfishly ask like this? This show has over 400 interviews with comedians, and we're really trying to spread that comedy game. But like, what what do you think we could be doing more here? Like, is there anything any advice you have for <laughs> us young guns out here?
1: I think that you're doing it. I mean, you 400 okay. interviews. Mm-hmm. I mean that in itself means that you're dedicated to pulling up on people and getting um the people that you want I mean you reached out to me you know that means you're a go-getter that means that you can get anybody that you really put your mind to and if they don't want to be on the show hey you it's so many so many more talented people out there um, that God's gonna truly bless you to, to to speak with and somebody's gonna get something out of every interview you do and that's the most important part and I promise you, you'll have your own. This this is your production company. This is, you know, you got two great people working with you behind the camera. You have yourself, and it's set up properly, and you're making the moves that that you need to make to to get the information to the people. And that's that's what counts, you know. You know, the algorithm is going to pick up to what the algorithms <laughs> are. Yeah, um, and you'll you. Believe me, this interview you start trending more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After this interview, you'll Steak trend more. It. Yeah, <laughs> he sits down with the future mayor of Washington D.C. before he was the mayor. You know, and everybody will always look back at this interview. You uh, know, we in the you know the W Hotel, and that you went and said, you know, they put me out of the lobby. I'm gonna go rent. I mean, I'm gonna go get a room, yep. and you know, and get this interview done. And that's that's what it's all about. Mm. Never letting them stop stop you in, in your tracks. Always fight through the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So a, as we land this plane here, and thank you so much for your time. Land
1: the plane is a great way way to say
0: it. <laughs> so uh, this has been a little bit of a ride, and it's been nice. I, mean, I
1: like it, man. I yeah, like this yeah. uh, private jet where <laughs> this PJ you, you got, got me. PJ. PJ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't mind. I like it. It's not like my cat Williams' PJs. Oh, no, we know we're on the come up. Though. Yeah, okay. You know, well, we're I mean, on the come up. Yeah, you know, three chairs. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, no flight attendant, but we got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah,
0: we're almost here. We on the way. Help on the way. Help on the way. He's an well, on, on time. time. You know, it's propellers, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the thing I always in these interviews with is like your favorite comedy advice or the biggest comedy lesson or just Mm. like the biggest, yeah, comedy takeaway you can like share from your career?
1: The biggest takeaway, always be humble. Mm. Never think that you're bigger than the moment. Write every day, even if it's something small. Treat people with respect, love and care. Never be afraid to give up what you think you need to get what you're supposed to have. Keep moving, cry sometimes. Call your friends. Love your family. Learn something new every day. And, uh, never disrespect yourself. Mm. But, amen. Amen.
0: Mm. Are, you, are you you getting emotional? You I feeling emotional. a little emotional? emotional. What, what's making you emotional?
1: I just think, because, uh, when you do like thirty years in a career, and you know is ending, not you know physically ending, but you know you're moving on to something else. Uh, it's gonna be missed. Hmm. So the moving on part, not being afraid to move on, is the the part that gets you emotional
0: yeah i mean like even me 10 years in during the pandemic it's like oh man we're ever gonna get to do comedy again but you actually making that pivot of like it's almost like a higher calling of like i'm stepping away from this to step into like the next like the next version of myself here
1: yeah i mean you know pandemic was rough on us uh my wife always says you know if you don't tell jokes for or you don't get on stage for two weeks you get you get real weird around the house. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, stepping all the way away from it, I'm going to have to have uh, some type of outlet. I'm probably going to start boxing. <laughs> I'm going to go to the gym every day. <laughs> Next time you see me, I'll probably be busting out this suit. <laughs> so are you, like,
0: retiring from con- Like, Is this, like, when you become mayor, is it, like, I'm never
1: doing comedy again? Um, uh, that's That's deep. Uh, I can't, you never can say never. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to D.O. Hughley about this. He said, you know, don't, don't say, you know, you're never gonna tell jokes again, but I am, you know, I am stepping down from, you know, my current situation to focus on my city, focus on, you know, helping the community and, you know, fighting for, um, uh, people. Mm.
0: So where where can people go and like donate or like vote or just yeah where can people go to really support this movement? All right, what camera I'm going to? Yeah, that'll be the that'll be the tight right there.
1: All right, so make sure you go to grandfumierdc I'm pretty sure they're gonna put it up on the screen, um, mm-hmm. but grandfumierdc dot and hit the donate button, volunteer, uh, just get involved with the movement and. Any, anybody you know in D.C., D.C. area, just push it because this thing is trending right now. This is not just a local race. This is a national race that affects all of us. The policies that are happening in Washington, D.C., are happening around the country in every major city in the world. So make sure you do that and just, you know, make sure you hit Red Grants on IG and you can just follow the whole movement. And shout out to my team, Team Red. And everybody who's been volunteering, we have over 400 something volunteers, uh, maybe 500 now. Mm. Uh, and we wanna get to 1,000 before November 8th. So make sure you move with the movement and you don't have to be in DC to actually be a part of the movement. And always one thing, keep your party, but keep your thoughts independent. Thanks. Boom.
0: And uh, maybe, maybe while you're looking at the camera, could you say your name and why people should listen to Hot Breath? Did this show a little love. Oh, is these, man, I appreciate that, man.
1: All right, let's go. So this is your boy Red Grant, and you gotta listen to hot breath. <laughs> <laughs> hot breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. It <laughs> just sounds so funny <laughs> saying hot breath. <laughs> all right, hey, we take two. <laughs> this your boy Red Grant, and you gotta look and listen to hot breath because your breath don't want to be hot. And hot breath is always not good, but this one is great. This is the hottest breath that you like in your life. Take it all in. (sighs) Hot breath.
0: (laughs) Red Grant, thanks for being on hot breath, my man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate you. There you have it, Hot Breath of the Verse. This episode is one of over 400 comedy interviews we have on this podcast. So go check out our catalog. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel where we're doing three live streams a week. And until next Monday, right here on Hot Breath.